0: time it is by you welcome to line drive radio (laughs) your favorite baseball podcast yours truly mr paul cuthbert holding down the board here in the great state of new york on the longest of islands it's time to bring in now my ldr teammate and that is mr tab Bamford. tab how are you this fine july day sir
1: well uh i'm working on it you know we've got a lot going on in the world and uh I think, you know, we, as we briefly chatted about in the pre-show Kumbaya, um, it is terribly unfortunate that uh, we are viewing sports as a departure from the ugliness of real life once again uh, just a couple days after the 4th of July. Um, but I am thankful that uh, we can sit back and, and spin some BS about uh, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, all that good stuff, um, and for the two of us and those out there in radio listener land, uh, hopefully provide a little bit of uh, distraction from the gravity of everything going on around us. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in the sports world, but there's, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on outside of sports in real life. And so uh, while at times it is not the easiest thing in the world to focus on uh, sports, uh, we are... Here to hopefully provide a, a few minutes of some, uh, I, not even I don't even want to use the word sanity, but uh, re, you know, remove your brain from the uh, realities of life and, and think about sports for just a few minutes.
0: And as far as the world of baseball goes, myself and Tab, it's it's been almost two weeks. We we got a little uh, All Star. Uh, ballot selection show uh, out there. So, folks, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, look in the archives there. It's there because the uh, All-Star Game is coming up here uh, on the 19th. Still
1: vote. Vote yep. frequently. Vote yes. often.
0: Yes. and um, And get your favorite guys in there. And the uh, the American pastime game of the All Stars will be played in Dodger Stadium. Uh, expected Dennis Bernstein uh, citing at least some photos, and some selfies, and all that stuff to look forward to. In if addition it's like to the, the
1: game, NFL draft, he'll be right there, front and center on the broadcast.
0: Yes, I mean, folks, if you and Tab don't know, me and uh, you know, me and Tab here are acquaintances with the world famous Dennis Bernstein. And if there's a major sporting event going on in North America, it's not even just the United States. He's probably going to be there, so uh, it's 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 in addition to the feature of the spectacle of the sport and the game that it is. You got to look out for Mr. Dennis Bernstein uh, over the fourth period. He's
1: really if Austin Powers had a Brooklyn (laughs) accent and lived outside of Los Angeles and dressed a hell of a lot better, it would be Dennis Bernstein. So. We will uh well and you know, we we chirp Dennis on the regular, but you know, we I think we both love Dennis. I've worked with him uh doing hockey stuff at the fourth period now for going on, I think, a dozen years. Uh and I think we both consider him a really good friend. And frankly he is the reason that we have this show. He introduced the two of us, so Yes. So you know, we chirp him because we love him, but seriously, that dude shows up everywhere and LA needs to settle the hell down because they keep winning stuff and he's just randomly showing up like in the front row at the NFL draft where, the by the way, the Rams won the Super Bowl flag. So Dennis and Patty, keep living the best life, and we will keep giving you guys crap for living the lives that we wish we had.
0: Yes, and we will keep liking and retweeting and sharing, saying, hey, we know that guy. Unbelievable. Still waiting for a mug or a T-shirt or something. Anyway, let's get into this uh, Major League Baseball stuff. Uh, As far as a quick couple of things here before we get into uh, um – you know, the main uh, thrust of the show here, too. We're going to look at the uh, the top 100 rankings uh, a little bit here and then do our usual the good and the bad. And uh, make sure you have your pens and pads out for later for the fantasy ad of the week from uh, Mr. Bamford himself. Uh, Yanks are still on top here, 58 wins. Um Off the schneid a little bit the last two games, but I think what they're doing is just giving Chapman a little bit. These are workout games for Chapman, so uh, before the big Red Sox series this weekend. Uh, Astros have been hot, Um, and then, you know, in the National League, and we're going to talk about it later, the the Mets (coughs) are uh, obviously going to let the rest of the teams uh, get a piece of them uh, as we head into the middle of July. And um things are fun still out in the west and around but uh tab is there anything uh in that little summary I gave you I mean there's so much going on but maybe just a little touch on on the last couple of weeks here in MLB as far as where the teams stand right now
1: Well, you know, I, I I'm truly looking forward uh you know, last year uh Major League Baseball kind of did this off the beaten path literally, uh, game that lived up to every ounce of the hype between the White Sox and Yankees out at the Field of Dreams site in Iowa. Uh, ended up just a, an insanely entertaining game with home runs into the corn, guys walking out of the corn, big late offensive move. Just It was, it was, it was a compelling baseball game, whether or not it was played in a cornfield in Iowa, and then you had all the pomp and circumstance with Costner coming out, and everything else. Uh, they're doing it again this year. And, and Paul, I am really excited for the 33-48 and 48 Chicago Cubs Ooh. to play the 28-52 and 52 Cincinnati Reds.
0: Well, maybe Suzuki in the can get an in-the-park, you know, home run uh, out there in the corn. Yeah.
1: And, you know, they, they, so that's one thing that I wanted to throw out there because that's coming up soon. Um, and then the other one that I, I wanted to give you a little crap here is uh, your Yankees uh, who are struggling with uh, our – adopted uh, Pittsburgh Pirates Ugh. right now. But Garrett Cole, who was the number one overall pick in the 2011 draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, by the way, uh, Yankee fans can thank Pittsburgh for introducing the professional world to both Jamison Tyon and Garrett Cole, both Pittsburgh draft picks. and if they'd actually kept or developed anyone. Um, he was asked, uh, you know, before returning to Pittsburgh as a visitor for the first time, if he had any regrets and he said, serving up the gopher ball that Kyle Schwarber eliminated, maybe the best Pittsburgh team in the last 20 years with uh, a few years back, which got a, a nice round of uh, applause and Twitter uh, video shares uh, in response to that. But I'm not worried. Like the Pirates are a young team <laughs> that is, that's just trying to make some noise. And you know this, you're a Yankee guy. This has been true since before World War I, they're the evil empire. They are the big bad New York Yankees. The pinstripes are going to get the best shot of every team that they play, every game, everywhere, no matter what. And the Pirates have a bunch of young guys who don't know that they're supposed to just roll over and lose to the Yankees. And O'Neill Cruz, you know, six foot seven shortstop. Good luck figuring that one you're, out. You're not going to go on and on about their performance yesterday, are you? No, but but. You know, it, it was impressive. Are you about this, to Pirates break down the, the Pirates-Yankees yesterday? Is that what you're trying to no. do? Are you trying to rub that no, in my face? I, no, no. I, I was enjoying <laughs> a moment as a Chicagoan where, you know, a Yankee ace took a little bit of flack over, you know, his biggest regret as a Pirate was serving up a gopher to Kyle Schroeder, who, by the way, leads the National League with 25 jacks. Yeah, he's playing. Uh, so the one thing that's gone right, Consistently thus far for the Phillies has been Kyle Schwarber. Uh, so good for him. Great dude. Love him. Wish he was still here. Um, but you know, fun fun to hear when you see guys go back to where it all started. They get those questions, and sometimes the answers are completely random. And for Garrett Cole, his biggest regret as a Buck was serving up a homer to Kyle Schwarber in the Cubs. So there you have it.
0: There you have it. Yeah, GC baby, laying it straight. He's no lying. Telling you how he nope. feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what do they call those games when they when they send the pitches down? Were they work days or something like that? What is that? The what A little are they call- rehab start type. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what we got going on in Pittsburgh right now. You know. Yeah. A little rehab. Chapman's yeah. trying to get his mechanics back. You know. And, you know, Italian. You know, what are you gonna do? He's. You know, the uh, the Yankees are just taking it easy. They don't want. They don't want to, They don't want to crush everybody every series. You know, because, you know, we got a lot of work still to do. And they're probably looking ahead at the big series. I mean, they could basically put nails in the coffins of both Sox this weekend if they run them, you know, run them to the ground. Well,
1: I mean, let's not say that the division's over in July, but the, the New York Yankees, as we record this on the morning of July 6th, are exactly halfway, 81 games into their 2022 campaign and they are 58 and 23 and they are 34 and nine at yankee stadium that's just stupid paul well it's ridiculous they're on 116 win pace and you know <laughs> what we've what would larry this- david
0: say what would larry david say tab he mm-hmm. would say they're uh
1: pretty good good i mean look they've lost two in a row but they're still six and four in their last and that we talk about this all the time that whole division sits at 500 on like a weekly basis, except the Yankees will just rattle off three. So, the, so as as we record this, exactly 81 games into the schedule for the Yankees, they have a plus 159 run differential. So they all they are almost outscoring their opponents by two runs per game at this point.
0: It's a good team. It's good team. It's, it's not perfect. It's not so perfect, they, but it's a good
1: team. I mean, the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays are are competing for the wild card spots, and they're 13, 14, and 14 and a half games back. And this is what the Blue Jays drop in their last five. So the Blue Jays have slid in the wrong direction, but there's because the Yankees are only six and four in their last ten, and the Blue Jays are four and six. They've only lost you know a couple games over that five game losing streak here, but thirteen game gap is uh, is actually not, Paul. Well, it's not the biggest in Major League Baseball right now, if you can believe that the Astros. Please that's tell sprinted.
0: us where is the biggest gap right
1: now. The Astros have sprinted to a 13 and a half game margin in the West on the heel. And that's with the Mariners, who are in second, winning their last four and seven of their last 10. But, uh, but we're, we're going to throw some flowers at the Astros when we jump into the headlines here. But they've won their last eight, they are 53 and 27. So they are—they're uh, just a couple, two and a half virtual games back of the Yankees for the best game in the America or best record in the American League. So, uh, and with the Carlos Correa departure, I don't know how many people thought uh, we didn't—we didn't think that that was going to be the reality. We didn't know what Verlander was going to be in. Now it looks like he might start the All-Star game for the American League. He's right back to being the dominant Verlander that he's been forever. So. But hey, look—they're dominating, and they've got a plus ninety-three run differential, which is a a, a modest sixty-six games less uh, runs less on the differential on the plus side than the Yankees. Well,
0: you know, at the end of the day, Tap, me and you are realists, and I'll say this is a Yankee fan. I'm sure this Astro fans out there too, as well as these guys are playing right now. It means absolute stugats until the playoffs come around, and uh, you know. Amen, the, brother. Yeah, all these, uh, you know, these other teams that are floundering there, yeah, 13, 14 games behind. You know, they're going to be in the wild card. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be there. And it just takes a hot pitcher and a, and a hot bat and, you know, in a, in a short playoff series in baseball, man, it can all come a- crumbling down, as John Cougar Mellicamp used to say. But right now, there it is, let's scoop. do that. <laughs> let's swing into the headlines here a little bit. A little baseball pun there for your tap. And, uh... You got a couple of things you want to start off with. So uh, you were talking about the Astros, but, but hold that till the end. And uh, let's get into this top 100 rankings that you want to discuss here a little bit first.
1: Yeah, so MLB Pipeline, so there's a bunch of different outlets that rank prospects. And again, prospects are great, parades are better. But it, this is where you get a look at what the future might hold for your Major League franchise. And it provides hope for some fan bases that aren't necessarily doing what the Yankees are right now. And MLB Pipeline is the Major League Baseball outlet that does their top 100 prospect rankings. And yesterday, the 5th of July, happened to be a couple dates on the calendar. As Again, we get to the midpoint for most teams. One, uh, it was time for that service uh, led by Jim Callis, who does an incredible job, to over completely overhaul their top 100 rankings, and it also happened to be uh, the service time barrier by which Adley Rushman, uh, the preseason number one overall prospect, catcher, now in Baltimore, he graduated. So once you play a certain number of games in the majors, you graduate out of these top prospect lists for your team and overall. So Adley Rushman graduated, and they overhauled the whole thing at once, and. He had some, some pretty significant movement. Uh, we're not going to give you the full 100, but looking at the top 10 here, um, you're going to have a graduation pretty soon, it looks like, at number one, uh, which is Riley Green, the young outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, who has made his debut and is playing good ball for the for the Tigres up there in Detroit. He is number one now. Uh, number two, the Mets, uh, who... Uh, we're going to talk about in, in uh, a bit later in a, a segment. We call it the bad. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, their <laughs> catch, their top catching prospect, Francisco Alvarez, is number two now. Uh, and you're starting to see a lot of hype around the catching position. There are two catchers in the top ten now with a catcher graduating out, which is pretty crazy. Uh, number three, Corbin Carroll, an outfielder for the Diamondbacks, uh, who's uh, in double A and looks like he's on his way to big league service time. And then you've got two Orioles, Grayson Rodriguez, who sadly is on the shelf right now, a right-hand pitcher who's incredible. And uh, Gunnar Henderson, who plays the left side of the infield, uh, good size, good bat, looks like he might be in the mix to make his debut in the next year or so. So there's hope coming for Oriole fans. We've been saying it for a while, but they have 20% uh, of the top 10 overall. Uh, two of the top five overall in the estimations of MLB pipeline. They're rounding out the top 10. Uh, the second catcher to make it, uh, Gabriel Moreno, who made his debut for the Blue Jays earlier this year. 22, 22-year-old backstop who's got a, a good bet. Um, number seven is Jordan Walker, a third baseman for the Cardinals. And this is, as a Cubs fan, what pisses me off because they've got Nolan Arenado signed for a long while now. Nolan Gorman who's hitting pretty well at the major league level playing out of position because they've got Arenado and then they've got the seventh best prospect in the estimation of these folks, a 20-year-old third baseman, who's 6'5", 220, uh, who also happens to play third base. So just stop it. Uh, Number eight, (laughs) ball of interest to you, the shortstop of the future for the New York Yankees, their highest-rated prospect, not Jason Dominguez, who keeps sliding the wrong direction in these rankings, but Anthony Volpe. Uh, who might be a year or so away from uh, making his Yankee Stadium debut. Uh, Marco Luciano, shortstop uh, in the San Francisco Giants system, 20-year-old, uh, is at number nine. And the the first and highest-rated teenager on the list and the highest-rated player drafted in uh, 2020's draft, I'm sorry, 2021's draft class, is Marcelo Mayer, uh, the shortstop in the Red Sox system, Uh, who a lot of people are head over heels in love with. So in your top 10, you know, people complain about East Coast bias. They complain about the focus on the East. We talk a lot about the Yankees with you being a fan, but that division is worth paying attention to. But the American League East has the overall in the top 10 prospects, number four and five in Baltimore, six in Toronto, eight with the Yankees and 10 in Boston. So it isn't like the American League East is going to, go anywhere and then tampa bay's top highest rated prospect shane baz checks in at number 12 overall so all five teams in the division have at least one prospect in the top 12 overall pretty pretty good
0: pretty good indeed there and what's the uh the the, i don't know if you i'm sorry if if you mentioned alvarez before but the prospect for the mets uh behind the plate there we're i mean number two so i mean uh how far is he to, uh, before he takes McCann's place?
1: Well, that, that's a big question. Uh, and uh, we'll speak about their catching woes when we get into the bad, but the catchers aren't doing uh, crap. Yeah, I the didn't Mets know right it was now. that
0: bad with the Mets that we were going to talk about. their catching woes, too? <gasps> oh, oh, of course.
1: Terrible. Terrible. Of course. In fact, that's one of the glaring weaknesses that they have as a first-place team is they're getting literally nothing from behind the dish. The front In office it, with the Mets has said that they Didn't they, they give him a lot of money?
0: Didn't they give him a lot of money? Oh, by
1: the you way. Know, i tell you what.
0: They we got to save all this Mets stuff for, for later. because We've you know, we got Bobby Benilla, and tag. Payday, all we're that gonna, stuff gonna,
1: coming. bag and tag the Mets in a minute. But, uh, but it sounds like the Mets front <laughs> office doesn't want to rush Alvarez, but you're going to get to a point here where they don't really have a choice. Uh, Moreno made his debut, and they're not running out of catchers, and they're getting production. I mean, Alejandro Kirk could probably start the all. He should, and it looks like voting-wise he might start the all-star game for the Blue Jays and he already made his debut this year as a 22-year-old. Alvarez is still a baby. He's only 20, but he's already in A and he's knocking at the door, and he's doing everything right. So it's only a matter of time. We'll see if it happens this year, and that might be the desperation play that the Mets make instead of trading uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, who made his top 100 debut in the Chicago Cubs system at number 80, and he's hitting the crap out of the ball, and he's playing gold-glove caliber defense as a center fielder flying around the field, had two triples in the same game uh, last week. Um, But the Mets traded Pete Crow Armstrong for two months of Javier Baez last year. So um, so I don't know that the Mets are going to make the desperate trade to try and cling to first base this year, but maybe their desperation play is getting Alvarez at the big league level.
0: Well, it's not going to keep me up at night, whatever they do. Hey, real quick, Tab, I got to tell you, I might put in for the – uh, the Baltimore Orioles uh, public address announcer job because uh, in a couple of seasons here, you're going to have Grayson Rodriguez. And you lo- you know how much I love baseball names. Gunner Grayson Henderson. Rodriguez
1: pitching to Adley Rushman.
0: Yes, that's another great name. Gunnar Henderson. And then I'm just scrolling down here a little bit. And then you got um, Colton Cowser, another prospect
1: for the Orioles. A little further down, you got D.L. Hall. That's his name. T. L. Hall. I, I was actually going to make that my pen name uh, on my next book as an award eligible author, as my brother likes to remind me. I'm an award eligible author, as is he actually. And while we have a second, the reason we missed out on a line drive radio last week is because yours truly was traveling to beautiful Reading, Pennsylvania, to celebrate the nuptials of one Arthur and now Christy. Congratulations! Bamford. So I was
0: in Pennsylvania too. Look at that. We should do a show.
1: There it is. Uh, Drove right past the minor league ballpark, standing room only, 4th of July weekend, looked like a great time. I was busy drinking yingling, enjoying a cigar and <laughs> my brother's wedding in a suit that thankfully I rented because it was sweat out. It was hot <laughs> in PA this weekend. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, you, we love great names here at Line Drive Radio. And when you've got Cedric Mullins, Gunnar Henderson, and Colton Cowser, and Adley Rushman, uh, you know the you're gonna expensive nameplates if you get a custom jersey, oh yeah, man. Uh, you're running out of I mean Pete crow Armstrong, the kid that the, I mentioned that the Cubs got from the Mets and the Javier Baez trade, his last name's hyphenated, and his nameplate in double uh, A is actually <laughs> two lines. Oh no! You get Crow on top and then Armstrong around the bottom. He's got the full rainbow over the... He might have to go single digits at the Major League level just to fit it all on there.
0: He might just have to get signed by the Yankees so he doesn't have to worry about any of that
1: crap. Well, <laughs> let's not and say we did. All, right. They, they've all got, right. They've got the Martian coming. They've got the Mingus. Yes,
0: it's true. It's true. It's true. true. Hey, and, and, and fair play to the Orioles. Another kid, 96, Jordan Westberg. Not a, not a sexy baseball name, but a, a good old-fashioned Baseball name there, uh, shortstop too as well. So the Orioles, um, I mean, I haven't looked at all the other uh, teams here, but the Orioles have a, a bunch of kids here in the top 100. So
1: things are looking good the Cubs, down there. You know what, as a Cubs fan, for those that uh, that know where I'm at with the, with, uh, with the Cubs, they're up to four in the top 100. I was a little surprised and disappointed that Caleb Killian didn't make the list the way that he's dominating uh, this year. Has, he, he's, he's gotten a taste at the big league level, has not uh, fared as well as you would hope, but he's young, he'll, he'll be back, and he'll be good at some point in the future. But the kid in the Cubs system to keep an eye on, you brought up D.L. Hall, the kid that's ranked right after him at number 69, the nicest ranking on the list. Uh, Christian Hernandez, uh, 18-year-old shortstop in the Cubs system, is a kid to keep your eye on. Uh, Dominican uh, scouts had favorably compared him as a teenager to Alex Rodriguez, uh, and he's just smoking the ball right now. So uh, he's flying up the list. It's pretty exciting to see him as an 18-year-old already making his debut in the top 70 overall. So, uh, But he's a kid to keep your eye on. Christian Hernandez in the Cubs system could be your next big deal as a shortstop in Chicago. But it's always fun to see these lists and see who's got what where. See who's got good representation. It's always fascinating for me as somebody that follows drafts. You know, you got the NHL draft tomorrow and Friday, major league baseball's draft coming up in a couple weeks. Usually these lists come out in July and the previous year's draft is massively overhyped. Uh, the only White Sox rep on the list is at ninety five, their top pick from last year. Colton Colson Montgomery, another great name for you, Paul. Love it. Uh, a six foot four, two hundred five pound shortstop. Um but it's it's always fascinating to see where you know recent draft picks jump onto the list and how they get hyped. And then usually within a year or so, they settle in and get more realistically ranked. But it's always fun to look at this stuff, especially if you're a team that's struggling right now, looking at you know where you might find value in the future. And if you're a team like the Orioles that's looking up at four teams, uh, the hope is starting to arrive with Adley Rushman, uh, but when you see that you've got, two of the top five, uh, there's something that you can certainly be excited about for the future. So keep getting after it, Baltimore. Uh, we are hoping that at some point in the not-too-distant future – I mean, you're not going to have the, the rotation that you had with Jimmy Palmer with everybody winning 20 again. But uh, – and I don't think any of these guys are going to do underwear ads that Jim Palmer did either. <laughs> but, uh, but there's hope in Baltimore. And that, that's all you can ask for as a baseball fan. If it's not good now, will it be good in the future? And in Baltimore, I think you can, with some level of confidence, say, we got a chance. Maybe 24 is when the magic starts to happen and the music starts to play a little bit louder.
0: All right. And if not, you always have great crab cakes in Maryland to look forward to if the Orioles yep. don't eventually get there. And speaking of big guys, big guys and great baseball names, Jackson Whiskey crushed one yesterday against the what a big boy that guy is!
1: Woo! Is it? He's, is it me he's or definitely, did you re- He's
0: definitely bouncing the clubs in the off season down there in Pittsburgh.
1: I mean, look, if your name's Jack Zwinski and you're in Pittsburgh, you just assume that that's like a defensive tackle for the Steelers, yes, right?
0: Absolutely,
1: or a defenseman for the Penguins.
0: Yeah,
1: a Chicago native. Uh, but yeah, they, they, but again, the, the Bucks are starting to get some of their kids up, and I think it's exciting for. Pittsburgh fans, too, we, we joked about a little bit, not getting into the complete rehash of the yankees buck series, but with Key Brian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz on the left side of their infield and Zawinski coming up, you're, the, the Pirates are, are maybe a year or so ahead of the Orioles and having their young studs start to come up. And that's what sells tickets, right? Again, if it's not good now, is it going to be good in the future? And in Pittsburgh right now, they've got a little bit of hope on the horizon because they're starting to see these kids come up and do some things.
0: I, th- I think Sawinski came in second place in the hot dog eating contest on Monday. What a game. I mean, <laughs> that
1: guy's He didn't huge. get choked out by Joey Chestnut.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Folks, if you haven't seen a
0: highlight of that, <laughs> look for the. For the while while uh, eating
1: 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes, he also <laughs> choked the guy out dressed as Batman. I thought it was Darth Vader. <laughs> he, 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 had a, he had a mouthful of hot dog, and he was like, I'm just going to snap this dude's head, and then I'm going to go back to. Hot dog oh, number 57. Man.
0: I can't believe that kid got
1: up. <laughs> yeah. So Joey Chestnut, people wonder, what do you do in the offseason? Maybe he's ballpark security. Who knows? <laughs> Too much.
0: All right. Let's head down to Florida, the crazy state of Florida, where it's hot, baby. Very hot. And there's a hot kid, another great baseball name, and he's playing for the Marlins. His first name is Sandy. Tab, what's his last name? How do you pronounce it?
1: Alcantara, I love it. Uh, well, look, if you're in Florida and you're Sandy, it, it's usually a good situation. Yeah, oof, very um, good, Mister Ben, very good. Bro. And uh, but look, uh, you know, when we did our, our previous show and talked about starters for the All Star Game, obviously we can't vote for pitchers. And I mentioned Alcantara is a guy that I would probably say would get my vote for the Cy Young Award. But we talked about Gonsolin and the numbers that he's put up. Start a Dodger starting at Dodger Stadium. Um, but it's really hard to not have Alcantara on the bump for the National League in the first inning because, I mean, the stuff that he's doing is stupid. Tuesday night he went eight innings, allowed only two hits, struck out ten. He throws a 100-mile-an-hour sinker. That's it? And he, was touch- he was touching 100 after 93 pitches last night. Uh, Man. I mean, we're we're talking Pedro Martinez numbers here. He's 9-3 he's and three with a, a whip, which is – For those not familiar, walks plus hits divided by innings pitch. So basically, how many base runners are you giving up per inning? If it's less than one, you're dominant, like next-level dominant. And he's at 0.91 right now with a 1.82 ERA. In my estimation, Paul, he is just sprinting away. Like, Like the Yankees separating themselves in the American League East. Right now, he, you know, knock on wood, uh, if he stays healthy, he is going to run away with the National League Cy Young Award. And Don Mattingly down there, the manager of the Marlins, has said when this kid pitches, it should be what it was when Jose Fernandez, rest in peace, pitched. We should have an extra ten thousand people in the stands because he is that good, that dominant. His stuff is just dirty. Uh, he's doing batters wrong on every time he takes the mound. So, um, if you're a Marlins fan, you've got some really good young pitching down there. But Alcantara is the stuff. He is the ace of aces right now in the National League, and uh, last night was another one. Again, two hits allowed, no walks, ten Ks. Dude, I am circling. He's not letting anybody get on base.
0: No, it's it's great stuff. I am circling the Marlins right now. They have won uh, six in a row. They are one game away from being 500. One win away from being five hundred, and only ten back. And those filthy Metsies. So there's chance. There's a chance. I mean. When's the last time the Marlins won anything down there? I mean, it's uh, just nice to see that they're getting some people in the stands. But, man, uh, circle it, man. They got some good prospects down there. It's a lot of fun going on down there in flock
1: Yeah, and they've got some intriguing bets coming, too. And so, look, the, the Marlins are – their fan base has been, you know, burned a few times by rebuilding plans. Um, they've been told that they're going to compete – they have at times. They haven't at times. Um, but they've got young pitching for days, and that's what that's what plays at the major league level. Uh, and if their own new ownership group, which now does not include Derek Jeter any longer, um, is committed to spending at least a little bit of money, um, I think they, they could be an interesting team because, like I said. You know, this Sixto Sanchez, another great baseball name. You know, he hasn't done anything yet this year, and he's got incredible stuff, too. Um, but, you know, with Jazz Chisholm, another great baseball name, and his hair matches it. He's a great um, player, too, man. Oh, he's phenomenal. Great personality. I mean, they, they're a young team, and I think if that's where when you start looking at the standings and you look at, you know, we talked about this with the Phillies who have turned it around, and they're they're playing some, some decent baseball right now. Yeah. Um, at least offensively. Uh, If you're Philly and you've got an older team that you're spending money on right now, you have to be looking at what Miami has with young pitching and and you have to be concerned about your ability to stay in front of them this year and beyond. Uh, But yeah, Miami, winners of six straight, seven of their last ten, which is tied with Atlanta for the best last ten stretch in the National League East. They are... uh, they're, they're a really fun young team with a lot of personality, and that six-game win streak is the longest in the National League as we and, record. And they technically summer. only
0: be three out of a wild-card spot right now. Three back of a wild
1: And, card. You know, and look, in the pandemic year, uh, when they added teams to make a little drama at the end here, the, the Cubs ran into a buzzsaw in the Marlins because of that pitching. And, you, and when you get into the postseason, what gets you through is pitching. Uh, as you said earlier, a hot pitcher, a dominant pitcher, can change the fortunes of the best team in baseball if you run into the wrong guy on the right day. And I think that's where te- people really need to be afraid of the Miami Marlins because they've got pitching for days. And stuff. they're a team that could very realistically, a best of five, if you get Alcantara twice, they got to win one other game. And then Sandy starts. If he's on, they only need to give you one or two runs. So... Miami is is definitely a. So you're team saying the that, Mets are in uh, trouble. You're he,
0: saying the Mets are in a lot of trouble. Is what you're saying?
1: Well, we're gonna, we're going to soil the Mets' futures you know, <laughs> here in a little bit. Absolutely, we're going to hey, soil their futures. But, tab, real quick. So the Marlins are fun. On,
0: real quick on the Marlins, real quick before we move on here to um, the Astros, um, the stability of the Marlins franchise. You know. I hate to say it. Like I said, it's it's kind of, the, kind of to me, over the last few years, been just looking like some kind of old, not even a minor league team. Just, the, you know, they got that weird stadium down there, and it's, you know, they've had Jeter involved there, a couple of, you know, Matt all that stuff. But nothing's really kind of taken off for them. And, and now, like I said, we're talking about some great young prospects and, you know, just absolute uh, what it's all about in terms of good baseball on the field. Does this franchise, I, I don't know whether it's fan base, ownership, where it is, what kind of money they might have to say keep any of these kids say in the next five years or whatever. Where do you see them as as a franchise beyond the prospects, as far as being able to cultivate this and turn it into some sort of a winning tradition down there? Or, or you know, I mean, we are, we know about the the Marlins in the past, the World Series wins, and you know, playing at uh, you know Joe Robbie Stadium, and all this stuff. But they're trying to. I, I for me, I think still trying to build an identity down there and and we talk about these prospects here but does the ownership and the franchise has the stability to maybe build something here long term
1: I think that's the big question and we don't have a good answer right now if if you believe some of the smoke that came around the Derek Jeter departure some of the reports were that he wanted to spend more big money this past winter uh, some have said that he he had specifically targeted Nick Castellanos as a big buy, and others in the front office and ownership level uh, opted to not spend that level of money yet. The owners have said they will spend when it's time to spend. They didn't feel like it was time yet, uh, but we've heard this before. Um, and, you know, but my my pause, you know, a lot of these conversations is. We need to contextualize what we're talking about here, right? Because it's easy to say, well, this is who the franchise has always been. Well, but there are different variables in play here, right? You've got a different ownership group. You've got Kim Ning as is a the, is the GM. You've got a different GM. You've got different owners. So let's not pin, you know, the previous ownership groups' mistakes on – the new ownership, different front office, different ownership. Let's let them create their own path and not hold them accountable for the lies and the BS that previous ownership and front office groups have perpetrated on the fans down in Miami. Now, that being said, the reason that they're not getting any butts in the seats is because, one, the stadium's location is crap. Not as bad as the urinal cake by the freeway that Tampa plays in, but it's (laughs) a bad location. Okay? Okay. Um, but the 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 larger reality and the perspective that we have to keep here is Marlin's fans, all four of them, have been <sighs> burned by ownership groups in the past, and so they're on their skepticism is very well justified. If I you know as a Cubs fan, I'm not blaming the rickets or holding the rickets accountable for the Tribune's absentee ownership here. Not every franchise is the Yankees that have gone through 40-plus years of the Steinbrenner family, right? So new ownership, so let's not hold them accountable for the mistakes and the lies of the past. But at the same time, we have to understand and respect that Marlins fans, uh, raise your hand if you're one of them uh, and explain to your family what's wrong with you. Uh, (laughs) Marlins fans have every right to not believe anything that comes from that organization because you've ha- had multiple ownership groups in the past, sell you a big idea, sell you a big story and not back it up with action. That being said, they've won two world series since the last time the Mets did. So who are we to judge? Ooh. Ooh. Right Shots. In the Shots. Guts. Ow. Shots. Oh, uh, um, zinger. But, uh, but again, like this is a different path. They're talking about building it and organically developing a sustainable winning product where, the two championships that they won in the past were really rentals and almost immediately burned down. So we will see. The proof will be played out in the coming years if this ownership group is legit and for real and they're willing to do what it takes to go get it. And their road has become increasingly harder with Steve Cohen buying the Mets. And clearly he's willing to spend whatever money he has, and that's a lot, um, to make the Mets relevant. You know, We've seen that the Phillies are willing to spend money. We know that the Braves' front office knows exactly what it needs to do because they went out and made three under-the-radar trades and ended up having the NLCS MVP and the World Series MVP be afterthought trades at the deadline last year. And they've got prospects for days, and Acuna still hasn't finished puberty. So who are we to guess what Atlanta's going to do? So that division isn't going to go away. But I think the Marlins, for me, are the most intriguing team in that division just because... We don't really have a firm grip on who that ownership group is yet. We're, we're building that puzzle and starting to kind of piece together who they are and what they want and what they want kind of the soul and the identity of that organization to look like and be. So we're going to see where the Marlins go in the next two to four years. But right now, at this moment, the week after the 4th of July in the year of our Lord 2022, the Marlins have pitching for days and they have the most dominant starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, with all due respect to Garrett Cole and what some of the guys are doing in the American League. Sandy Alcantara is the most dominant pitcher in Major League Baseball at this moment, and Marlins fans should bring a couple thousand friends with them. Carpool, public transportation, whatever you got to do. Parking sucks. (laughs) Um, But they should show out when Sandy Alcantara takes the bump because he is worth the price of admission every time he gets the ball.
0: Swing on by after to say hi to Mickey, baby. Stopping by and see some of the magic
1: of the Florida Marlins.
0: All right, pal. Let's now head a little further south uh, west uh, to the great city of Houston. Uh, and talk about a team that I really don't like to talk about. Uh, but uh, I guess we have to give them some some bit of attention here. Uh, and that's the uh, the Astros who uh, played a dandy of a series against my Mike Bronx Bombers there a couple weekends ago. We were talking about it. Split series. It had everything, folks. And uh, since then, the Astros have uh, played, uh, as you would say, uh, pretty, they're pretty good. Peb, let's take it away. What do you got?
1: The fighting Dusty Bakers. Uh, they're a scary situation where Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena, they're... Incredible rookie phenom shortstop collided. It looked like they might have lost both. It looks like Pena's the only one who paid the price for that one. But um, I mentioned it earlier, uh, the Astros are nipping at the heels of the Yankees for the best record in uh, the American League right now, and, and um, it's really remarkable what they've been able to do. So I went back to the last day of April, and May 1st. Waking up on the first day of May, the Astros were 11-10. and 10. And there were a lot of people out there that were openly wondering, you know Hoping. Is is this pain? I'm sorry. Is this Pena kid gonna really be able to carry the mail in the absence of Carlos Correa? Kyle Tucker wasn't really hitting the ball very much. Um they had a tough April, they were one game over five hundred. They were allowing the Angels and the Mariners to kinda hang around. Uh In the 59 games since the calendar flipped to May, they are 42-17. and Um, They have win streaks of eight, which they are currently riding, and they had an 11-game win streak to start May from the 2nd to the 13th. And they just got done with a nine-game stretch, which was kind of funky on the calendar, where Mm -hmm. they had the Mets and Yankees back-to-back for nine straight, and half of them were in Houston and half of them were in New York. Maybe they shared a plane. Maybe COVID didn't want them to do that. Um, maybe the emotions between the teams make that not a smart idea. Mm-hmm. But nine straight against the two teams from New York, and they won seven of nine. And the two losses were both one-run losses, and one of them was an extras. Um, so they went in against two New York teams with a lot of media attention, a lot of buzz, a lot of hype, both of them in first place, and they put it on a pretty good poll. And I, I think we're at a place right now where we need to recognize and appreciate not only the job that Dusty Baker's is doing, but when you go back and consider all the turmoil in that front office just a couple of years ago with them having to fire everybody and lifetime suspensions and bans and year-long suspensions and firings and A.J. Hinch gets run. The front office got completely thrown to the rocks. And the roster was getting all sorts of hate. And they've had massive departures. They've now lost Springer, who was the World Series MVP, and Correa. And they haven't missed a beat. They might be better now than they were last year at this time. Of course, you know yes, Justin Verlander coming as, back is a big deal. But uh, central in the uh, central in the West, and look, really they, aren't look, good they, divisions. You know, I mean, only only on. two teams in sixty years have no hit the Yankees, and they were both Astros. Yeah, well you don't get a parade for that. So it's it's No, you, you yeah. don't get a parade for that. But again, they, they threw a combined no hitter against the Yankees, and this is a Yankees offense that is has a plus one fifty nine run differential through eighty one games, Paul.
0: All right, it's good. That's all right, it's good. I'll admit it, it's good. All right. Can so we move
1: on now. So yeah. <laughs> but 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 you know we we like and I I'm again I'm I'm disappointed whenever we bring up the Astros I'm like where's the DJ with Todd Rundgren? because they don't want to work they want to bang in the garbage can all day oh but, um but I, we need to take a second to to look at what the Astros are doing because everybody's focused on the Yankees being on pace to win 116 games but the Astros are playing like a team that might win 110 and that they have really good pitching as well so Um, So let's give some flowers to the Astros for a minute here uh, because I think when you go and play nine straight against two first-place teams in New York and win seven out of nine in a nine-day stretch, that's pretty freaking impressive. So uh, much love to what the Astros are doing right now. We'll see if they can sustain it. But based on what they've been able to do as an organization and the depth that they have and the ability and willingness to make the smart trade make the right trade at the right time pretty pretty dang impressive and I think the Astros more than the Cubs or any other team are really becoming the post Moneyball model for how to burn it down and do a full teardown rebuild but then not unlike the Cubs who are now in another teardown rebuild situation in a big market the Astros have been able to draft sign develop a sustained excellence window. Um, And I think that's where, for me, the love for the Astros is. Not the banging on the garbage cans crap, but the fact that unlike the Cubs, the Astros have had major pieces depart, and they didn't even trade them and get anything back. Springer and Correa left as free agents, and they haven't really missed a beat. They've been able to plug guys back in. Tucker comes in when Springer leaves. Pena comes in. Uh, When Correa leaves and they don't miss a beat. And that's really impressive. And so I think when we, you know, in 20 years, when we look at how Major League Baseball has evolved, you know, we, we talk a lot about the Tampa Bay Rays and that they're always competitive without spending any money. The Astros spend money, but they spend it wisely. They're not out there on the free agent market throwing $800 million at a guy because they think that they need to make some headlines, right? They keep their guys in check. Keep Tuve at a reasonable deal. They keep Bregman at a reasonable number. And then they just happen to have Jordan Alvarez sitting there, who's the size of an outside linebacker, hitting balls 800 feet. Um, so um, I think in 20 years, when we look back at kind of the post-moneyball generation of, okay, so we want to spend wisely, teams are going to burn it down and start over, and then they, have to have, they only have a defined window. Um, the Astros are showing us that you don't have to have just a defined window if you continue to develop well. Uh, And so much, much appreciation for what the Astros are doing right now. And who knows, maybe, you know, they're in the conversation with the Yankees by the, by the time we get to the end of September about who has the best record in the American league. They're certainly playing like it right now, again, 42 and 17 in their last 59 since the calendar flipped to May. That's really freaking impressive. So uh, some flowers for the Astros this week. I know as a Yankee fan, you don't want to hear it, Um, but uh, but what they've been able to do, and I think we both love Dusty Baker and hope he gets a ring as a manager at some point because he's he's paid his dues. And if there's one 70-plus manager that we're going to root for, it ain't Tony Larusa. Uh, it's going to be Dusty Baker. So uh, much love to the Astros.
0: Much love. I don't know. I don't want to agree with that. But I'm telling you, you nailed it right there. In the, I think at the end of the day, if they do end up, uh, and it's very, very possible. Look, the Astros are for real as uh, – they say. And I like I said there was there was a lot of that, that was a playoff series when they were here in uh
1: Yankee Stadium there a couple weeks ago. The intensity in the stands was there. Yeah, it was it was all there. For it. it was great July baseball.
0: But in addition to them um, just getting the, the the puzzle back together on the field. If they do end up winning a championship within the next say 2 3 years whatever it is. This will be also a huge public relations turnover too because of what this this franchise went through as far as the cheating scandal and everything else. To distance them. And I tell you, it it kills me. It hurts me so bad, Tab, because it is Dusty Baker is the thing here that gets me right in the heart, right in the shoulder blades, in between the shoulder blades there, Tab, because I love Dusty Baker. And it's very hard for me Because if there's anybody else managing that team, I would, you could talk about the Astros for 30 minutes here. I would go outside and mow the lawn until you got back. You could text me and say, hey, Paul, I'm done talking about the Astros. But because Dusty's running this squad, it's just, there's just so much love for that guy for me, you know, as a kid growing up. And, 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 you know, seeing that guy play when he was a kid and just, he's just a super, a super dude. And if there's one guy who I want to get a ring, it's Dusty Baker. And that is the only time I will I will sit back here and I will be like, okay, the Astros won a World Series because Dusty's matters in the band. But I think it'll be a huge PR thing too. In addition, because um, they are they are a damn good baseball team, and um, and like I said, I think if Dusty if Dusty can do it, he, you know, he he uh, it'll be amazing for him, and it'll be great for you know the franchise and the city to kind of move away from it because at the end of the day, it 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 is individuals who were involved in all of that crap that went on. And they'll they'll have to live with that. You can't blame the fans. They had nothing to do with it. You can't blame a guy like Dusty Baker, and you certainly can't blame any of the brand-new prospects or any of the new players that are playing in this current Astros lineup. So they are a damn good team. They're going to be there at the end. They could be Yankee Slayers. There's no doubt about it. Um, and that's something to look forward to. Not only this year, because you bring it up in terms of all the different positions that they've kind of fine tuned things up uh, on the on the uh, on the diamond here, um, and they look good. So, I, as a Yankee fan, will sit back and I will throw some respect. Do I hope they lose thirty in a row? Yes, I do. But if they do end up being there at the end, and if they uh, and they go to the promised land and Dusty Baker gets handed that trophy, you know. It'll be right here, Tab, right here in the heart. And I'll be like, okay, Yankees still have 27 championships. I can do this.
1: And Paul, and, Paul, we love to project and we love to dream. Uh, what better scenario could you imagine right now in all of baseball than a game seven at Yankee Stadium with Justin Verlander and Garrett oh, Cole taking on. the I, ball? My
0: heart can't take that. I'm getting older, Tab. I can't take it. Seriously.
1: That. That's cold shower in a cigarette territory, Paul. Oh
0: man, come on!
1: You give me a game seven with Cole v. Verlander at Yankee Stadium we on a Friday know, night. No, we
0: don't. we don't want that. No, sorry, I don't want that. You might want that because you're a Cubs fan and you live in Chicago.
1: Not on Nothing to
0: for this year. But that—that's not going to be good for my blood pressure, Tim.
1: No, no, but hey, that—that—that I. That, that, <laughs> you know what? I think the networks and I think Major League Baseball would probably kill for that too. So,
0: oh, uh, yeah. but yeah,
1: we're. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're months away, we're more than 80 games away for most teams still, so long road to go here before we start throwing hypothetical postseason matchups out there, but the Astros are positioning themselves incredibly well, and at 13 and a half games, they have the largest division lead in all of Major League Baseball on the 6th of July.
0: That's, uh, as we said earlier in a couple of segments, that's pretty. They're pretty, pretty good. All right, Tab. Let's start breaking into our weekly feature sections here at Line Drive Radio. And that's the good and the bad. And for the good part this week, we're heading out to the West Coast. The left coast. The best coast? I don't know. You'll have to ask our friend Steve Palumbo on that hockey show. Uh, but that's Seattle. The great Northwest. The beautiful city of Seattle. Great country. Great part of the country here in these United states. Of America, yes. You want to talk about a certain uh, certain guy named Julio Rodriguez? Yeah, take it away.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, Seattle needs to get they need to license some Simon and Garfunkel for a marketing campaign here because I don't care who they put in the commercial, but it's got to be somebody in Julio down by the schoolyard because this kid is nice. the next generation. He's the next Acuna. He's the next Tatis. He's the next Vladdy. This kid, he's the next Soto. He's He is the next guy that everyone in baseball should be staring at like, wow. Uh, You're talking about a kid that's 22 years old. He's about, I think he's 6'3", about 210 pounds. Um, And when we did our preseason pick show, prediction show, uh, I was pumping the tires of the Mariners pretty hard. Uh, They haven't really backed that up thus far. They're one game under 500 to date. Uh, Second place, um, and they're within sniffing distance of uh, wildcard intrigue. But uh, they started the season rough, and Julio Rodriguez started the season rough. Uh, in fact, he was awful. And we've talked about this. He, on a preseason show, Julio Rodriguez was my American League Rookie of the Year pick to click. And in April, he had me and others wondering if we were crazy. Uh, we saw Jared Kelnick for them come up last year and really struggle and get sent back down. Uh, Harold Reynolds on MLB Network in April said, send him down. He's not ready. Wow. It's pretty clear he's not ready. Um, he had no home runs, six runs batted in, seven walks and 30 strikeouts and 73 at-bats in April. Mm-hmm. A 205 batting average, and he was only getting on base 284. It was a really rough start to Julio Rodriguez's major league career. In May, he said, I got your struggles right here, bud. uh batted 309 with a 339 on base percentage six jacks and 17 runs batted in in june he rallied uh with a 280 average his on base percentage went up to 361 he's taken more walks uh seven home runs and 16 runs batted in uh his run scored went from nine in april to 12 in may to 22 in june he was the american league rookie of the month in june uh, he is playing at not only an all-star level, but a fringe MVP conversation level at the moment. He is the hottest player in baseball. And the fun nugget that popped up on social in the last couple days, um, he's, he's taking bases when he can. He's, he's running, and we love the small ball. We love the stolen bases, yep. the dying art of the stolen base. Uh, and he's also hitting them out. And so in 81 games, half of a season, Uh, He has 15 home runs and 20 stolen bases, which makes him the fastest player in Major League history to get to 15 homers and 20 steals. That's amazing. Uh, Ellis Burks, Red Sox legend Ellis Burks, somebody who I think baseball history forgets, but man, he was really good. uh, Did it in 82 games back in 87, which was just eight games faster than Barry Lamar Bonds did it in 90 in 1986. So the fastest player in history to go to 15 and 20. Uh, I think he's a legit 30-30 guy. Um, and when you look at young outfielders in the American League, obviously Mike Trout is, is, has set the bar pretty high. But when you look at guys like Julio Rodriguez, Luis Robert, Cedric Mullins, Jordan Alvarez, if we're going to call him an outfielder, uh, Kyle Tucker, these young guys, we always pump the tires of the next generation of Major League Baseball. And there's some really, really good ones. And I'm a huge believer that Luis Robert is a superstar. But Julio Rodriguez is doing things that nobody's ever done after having a terrible April. Uh, so two months, he's got thir- – in, in May and June combined, 13 homers and, and 33 runs batted in and 34 runs scored. That, that, that's dangerous. Uh, and if you're in Seattle with Logan Gilbert, Kelnick's still coming. Kyle Lewis, who was the rookie of the year a couple years ago, still coming back from injury. Uh, Taylor Trammell doing some really nice things as well. They've got lots of outfielders. They've got some intriguing young pitching coming along. Robbie Ray, they signed as a free agent after winning the Cy Young Award in Toronto last year. Um, You know, I think Seattle's a a really fun team, and we talk about teams that you want to avoid when you get into playoff time. I don't know if Seattle's there yet, but I'm sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that nobody wants to play a team with Julio Rodriguez in their lineup. If you've only got one game to play, because he can change the complexion of the whole thing, either with his bat or his legs. So the good this week, we're we're throwing some flowers at Julio Rodriguez. And again, just a reminder for those that keep track of these things and keep score. Yours truly picked him as my American League Rookie of the Year uh, favorite uh, on our preseason show. Making a note, making a note. Uh, got to look, look smart when I can. And, uh, and the wife doesn't let me do it at home. So we'll do it here on line drive radio.
0: <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the, the, you know, as far as baseball as, a, as a sport here, um, and the, the thin line of separating it from a, a team sport to an individual sport. And depending on where a team is, you know, whether it's in a rebuild, whether it's a team that's, you know, um, you know, one of the best teams in baseball, and, and how individual players and how managers and how front offices have to run out their line of patience with a prospect or uh, a big signed free agent. And you see it kind of working here with, um, you know, Julio here in Seattle, where with the tough start and um, hanging in there with him, and now he's showing everybody he's the goods. And he can hang in there. And then I'll swing maybe just back to the Yankees here a little bit. And you might look at this Red Sox. This is maybe my personal opinion. You Look at the Red Sox series coming up this weekend for the Yankees. And I think a guy like Aaron Hicks and a guy like Joey Gallo better have big series uh, this weekend. Because Aaron Boone and the front office has had a lot of patience with these guys. Now, Aaron Hicks has kind of, you know, shown a couple of pops here in the last month a little bit. He's got it, but it's just the inconsistency. Joey Gallo, unfortunately, has really fallen um, under the, the just the disdain of the Yankee fan base here. But credit to Boone and front office, they, he's he, he's pretty much in the lineup every day. He's incredibly defensively. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's a top-notch um, person, personality, and everything. But man, he's he's just not been there behind the plate for the Yanks. And I think you know, and this is what I'm going to throw back to you in terms of the differences of, of where and how teams have to have certain amount of patience with certain guys in terms of where they're at um, you know during the course of a season during the course of a, a rebuild year or you know I mean the the intensity and the pressure on the New York Yankees who really like I said b- before this lineup was rolled out this season you know wasn't really given much of a chance now they've become the monsters of the uh You know, the American League right now, certainly the American League East, and obviously we give great credit to the Astros and and, and how they're playing here. But uh, the Yankees are basically maybe the team to beat here. And Gallo is on this team, and he's kind of been one of the guys that, unfortunately, a lot of the other guys have been able to come through, come here and there, and have a couple uh, good at-bats, a couple of good series, and and bounce in and out, weaving out. And Gallo seems to be on this straight line of just not being able to hit the ball. And I wonder, Tab, what you think of that and, you know, not to kind of roll on here too much in terms of what my original point was. And that was just the how teams, how managers and how clubs have patience uh, with certain players and certain prospects at certain time of the season and where guys are at the career. So I'm just going to ask that back to you. We're talking about um, Rodriguez here in Seattle they have patience with him. He hangs in there. You know, a couple of guys wrote him off at the beginning of the season. Now he's, you know, he's a guy that he's just, you just can't take out of the lineup. And then you look at the Yankees here, superstar like Gallo. He's just not pulling his weight. What do the Yankees do here
1: with him? I mean, I, it's a really tough spot because he's, you've seen what he can do in the past, but you've also seen guys go through New York who just can't do New York. And really good players. Sonny Gray, I think, was the most recent one where he just didn't have it, right? Randy Johnson went to the Yankees, and it was a complete debacle. And you have to wonder if Joey Gallo is just another one of those guys that isn't ready to be a Yankee. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think the balance that he provides with a big left-handed pop, you like it, but I think you brought him in with term – because you didn't know what Aaron Hicks' future was, if Aaron Hicks can stay healthy in the lineup, you've got enough left-handed balance, especially with Rizzo back, mm-hmm. um, that I don't think you, like, you have to force the issue with Gallo. year they brought in Rizzo and Gallo because they had nothing left-handed. Yeah. Zero. Um, and you don't have to have a half dozen lefties to balance things out with Judge and Stanton, right? So... Um, you know, I, I, I think they'll keep working with him, but I, you do have to wonder at some point here, you know, is there a defensive option that maybe they look at to help bolster their outfield a little bit? Um, because I think in a perfect world, they would prefer to not have Aaron Judge playing center field uh, as frequently as he's been asked to. Um, and, you know, Gal's got a nice arm too, but you just, you just you, he's becoming a situational bat. And that's a really tough spot. And uh, and you, just, you wonder if they're going to keep going with him. But here's the reality, Paul. You know what the potential is for him? And they're playing well enough that if some, like, you know, last year when things were bad, everybody's staring at Gary Sanchez. And I think it's a similar situation where whoever's the, the bottom of the totem pole is going to get the most heat and the most crap from fans yep. and media, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're going you're, to, like the Mets, and we're going to dig in on that in a minute, but the catching situation is where everybody's staring when things go sideways a little bit. Right now, it isn't like there's been a sustained bad period for the Yankees. So you're able to sit back and allow Gallo to figure some things out and tinker with stuff and work on it and try and work his way out of it because you've seen what he can do in the past. So there's the, the, the you, I think you've you've seen the floor for Joey Gallo, and it's pretty low. We'll be real. It's pretty low. But you also know what that ceiling can be, and it's a 40-50 homer bat. And so I don't know that you, you need to shake things up as significantly as you might need your jerk reaction should be if you were, let's say, a game and a half up on a Toronto team that was young and had won eight straight, right? Um, I don't think that they fear for their division lead. I think that they're confident with the lineup that they have, even with Gallo's struggles. Um, so I think that they can take some time and hope that he works his way out of it. Well, see, that's the thing though. But, Tab- but, but you do wonder if the, if there's a, if there's a move that they make to have somebody come in that can play maybe a better defensive center or right field spot. I would leave judge in right field and go find yourself a rental that can play good defense and center field and hit the ball a little bit. Um, and because I think you're best if Stanton is your everyday DH. Um, and if Gallo can play left and judges in right, you're okay. You've got big arms out there, tall guys with a little bit of range that can go get it. Um, but I think you, you're in a position right now where you have the luxury of having time and patience to allow him to try and find it. And if he goes the whole year and it's that bad,
0: So, you're, so, so then you figure it out in the winter. So, look, I'm, I love Joey Gallo, okay? And I've been a big guy, a supportive of his through this, um, you know, let's just call it. It's a season-long slump here. I mean, he's uh, 194 at-bats. His average is 165, nine home runs, 18 RBIs, and um, a 6.02 on base percentage. Um, but 60 games. We're hitting 60 games now. So, I guess that was my question initially is just the patience of it. Yeah, we know all the potential here of Joey Gallo. We know... What he's got, and, and you bring up great points in terms of why the Yankees initially brought him in here and stuff, but I guess that was that's going to my core here. This is almost 60 games now, so when does the patience run out? Okay, the Yankees have the luxury right now where they sit in the standings, where they sit in the division, you know, and, and okay, I so, you know, I guess what I'm getting is is that the Booney and the Yankees here, because of the situation that they're in, because I was talking about uh, teams, where they are in a in a, in a season. Uh, where they are, in a, whether they're a rebuild or, or going for a championship, you know, how long uh, the the line of patience that a, a manager in a front office can have. So, I guess what we're summarizing here is, is that the Yankees, because of the situation that they're in, the position that they're in, that Joey Gallo has the luxury of all the patience that he needs right now, uh, 60 games into the season. Um, and, and that's why he's maybe you know, not being taken out of the lineup. I mean, I granted, like I said, I love the, love the locker room, love the lineup, love everything else. I love Joey Gallo, but, I mean, if you look in this as straight, straight, you know, straightforward numbers, I mean, he's just, he's
1: killing them
0: behind the plate.
1: Yeah. Um, but, but is he really, like, like, it's not a deal breaker, and I think this is, again, where the luxury of patience can come in. He's bad. He's really bad but he's not costing them games. Uh, as long as you keep, you know, it, this isn't a Jason Hayward situation in Chicago where he makes so much money that it's keeping you from doing other things. Uh, and his defense is good, but not great anymore. And he's not hitting anything. And it like the Yankees, the money's not a problem. They can afford to pay him. Um, they're not losing games because of him. They're not unable to make significant additions because of him. They were able to bring back Rizzo. They made the Donaldson kind of flip a trade. Like they're not handcuffed by anything about Joey Gallo, other than the fact that they don't necessarily want to play him every day. Is he an expensive platoon guy? Yeah. Um, but some guys struggle and then they find it and some guys will get hot. I mean, look at Jock Peterson. He really didn't do much of anything for the Cubs last year, and he went to Atlanta, and he was pretty good, and this year he's hitting the cover off the ball. Mm -hmm. We've seen Gallo be able to be, again, a 40-50-homer caliber bet, and his defense is still solid. So this isn't like Gary Sanchez struggling behind the plate and being below par defensively, and it's a bigger problem because you can't put him anywhere. It's going to cost you games either defensively or offensively, and you don't have a better option, right? So... For me, I think you've got the best record in baseball. You're not losing games because of Joey Gallo. Uh, You allow him to keep tinkering and working with stuff, and you get your coaches on him every single day, and you hope that he finds it. And if he does find it, God help us, because they're winning games without anything from Joey Gallo right now. Yeah. If they start getting anything from him, good luck.
0: Yeah. that's what we're waiting for, yeah. Come on, Joey, let's go. And again, this goes back to, like I said, Rodriguez and and just patience in baseball. It's it's uh, it's an it's amazing, it's amazing, it's an amazing part of the game. I mean, you just have to have patience alone just to be a fan of baseball because you know it's it's known as the slow game and all that other stuff. But and that's just I'm just pulling out a little part here uh, of an aspect of you know uh, two different players right now going in different directions. In totally different situations as far as where their teams are at, uh, the future... Uh, the manager's decisions, and this goes, this goes up and down. You know, you talk about, you know, when, even the Girardi situation with the Phillies, the patience of how long were they going to give Girardi until he got the ax and so on and so forth. And then, you know, it looks like that was a great move uh, for the Phillies. You know, uh, the Braves started off sluggishly. Now look at the Braves. They're kind of coming together here. And uh, so, I mean, that's just the beauty of baseball. I just want to bring that up a little bit before we, uh, we moved on to uh, the bad right now. And for that... Um we're going to go to Queens, New York, flushing, flushing, baby, by the waterside, and talk about the Metsies, right here on Line Drive Radio. And uh, Tab, uh, you and all uh, LDR fans know a couple of weeks ago, uh, I believe it was the last episode or two, I, I, I called the Ides of June for the Mets. Uh, still in first place, but it's looking a little, a little hairy there, but uh, Tab, you want to delve into this. Uh, deeply today on LDR. So take it away, my friend.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's just, um... Now, is, is, that, is that exasperation just because you have to talk about the Mets? Or what is that? Explain that to me.
1: Welcome, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to our second annual Early July Crap on the Mets episode of <laughs> Line Drive Radio. Uh, it was about this time last year when Jacob deGrom left uh, the rotation for good. It was around this time last year that Francisco Lindor got hurt uh, and left the lineup for an extended period, which necessitated the Javier Baez trade we already talked about. They rented him for two months. That included a thumbs-down debacle, and the prospect that they gave the Cubs is now flying up the, the charts. Um, it, look, the Mets are in first place. It's not a completely lost cause. But again, I say second annual Mets crap on show in July because last year we talked about the Mets for about four months who were in first place longer than any team that didn't even make the playoffs in history. And the biggest problem that the Mets had last year was that they had the grip on first place. Um, but again, if we're, if we're going to the jukebox, hold on loosely, that's all they're doing with the first place lead this year, just like they did last year. Yeah. You know, um, they, they have refused to run away from the national league East for two straight years and injuries have been a big part of that. I'm not saying that they're immune. They've had you know, the list of injuries has been ridiculous for them this year. Um, they haven't been able to avoid it. They just got Scherzer back last night from an extended period on the shelf, uh, and he looked great, but kind of a microcosm of the last, you know, five or six weeks for the Mets. Scherzer comes back. He's his usual dominant self. Looks like he didn't miss a beat. Struck out 11 Cincinnati Reds. Gave up two hits in six innings. They lost one nothing. And we talk about the Yankees not, you know – you don't point at Joey Gallo and say we're losing games because of you and I brought the Gary Sanchez thing up and there's a little bit of intention there because with the Mets you look at a position and say is that hurting us is that costing us games and a lot of people are staring at their catching situation and saying that the catchers are a problem and they are um, you know you you look at what they're getting from the catching position. Their catchers have a combined 194 batting average and two home runs, which is why... No bueno, no bueno. Which is why names like Wilson Contreras are going to continue to be floated with Mets trade rumors, because that's a problem. And and again, this is just... Last year, since the 1st of June, they're two games over five hundred. Their division lead over the Braves is 2.5. The Phillies are 7 back. But again... Atlanta last year hung around, hung around, hung around, the tortoise and the hare. They crept past them at the finish line while they were sleeping under a tree, and then they ended up winning the World Series. And this Braves team has more healthy pitching than they did last year. They don't look like they're going to be in a position where they have to go rent an entire outfield at the deadline. <laughs> Ronald is getting his legs back now. <laughs> Ozzie is missing extended time with a broken foot is a significant problem, but Dansby Swanson is playing exceptional baseball. Uh, and you just you look at the, what the Braves are doing, and you know from last year that they know what it takes, and they're not afraid to hang in the peripheral for a while and then catch up and run past them. And they only need a like what if there's one week left on the calendar, they and they're within striking distance, they'll do it. And you just, you look at it and you're like, Steve Cohn went out and we we loved it. He spent all the money that he should have last year, right? He went and got Sterling Marte to fix the center field situation. He got Eduardo Escobar to give him some offense at third base. Got Max Scherzer to go with DeGrom at the top of the rotation. They still haven't been in the rotation at the same time. DeGrom did go on a rehab assignment this past weekend. He might be coming back soon. I think everybody's fingers are crossed that he's going to show up and be a Cy Young winning self and he and are going to carry them to the promised land. But and look, Lynn, I, I gave flowers to Lindor on a previous show, he got my vote at shortstop in the national league because of what he's been doing this year. But the Yankees are finding ways to win when different guys are struggling at different times. The Mets are getting great performances from different guys and they're finding ways to lose more times than not. Look, It's not again. It's not broken. They're 19 games over 500. They're 26 and 13 at home. The Mets are a good team, but this just it feels like uh, same old story, same old song and dance. Uh, Aerosmith reference here for the kids. Look at you, DJ Tab Banford today. Classic Um, rock hits. But yeah, best of the 80s. Here we go. No, but this feels like the same script for the Mets as it was last year that's why I'm only half-joking when I say welcome to the second annual Crap on the Mets in early July show on Line Drive Radio because it feels like the same script. you got the best team in the division. You're in first place in the division. No one's going to touch you in the division, but you let Atlanta and Philly be just close enough. And when you've got the opportunity to run away and hide like the Yankees are doing, like the Astros are doing, you refuse to do it. And then you're literally one or two catastrophic injuries from not having the assets to go get something that's going to change your fortunes because you mortgaged them last year to go for it with a team that had more issues than Sports Illustrated. (laughs) And, you know, you're going to pay the price now. You know, you made significant trades last year. Curl Armstrong, in a year or two, would probably be the starting center fielder for the Mets, and they'd have a gold-glove center fielder hitting 35 to 40 doubles and running the bases and doing all the things, but they needed Javi Baez for a couple months because they wanted to go for it because Cohen wants to win now. And you just you wonder how much pressure is on Billy Epler in that front office to win immediately and how many decisions they're going to make that they're going to regret like Crow Armstrong in three to five years because they're going all in immediately with Cohen's money. They're going to pay a luxury tax bill this year. They needed to In the first three months of the season, they needed to run out to a double-digit lead and then get to Grom healthy and really leave no question who the alpha was in that division. And here we are on the 6th of July, and they're two and a half games up on a Braves team that's getting healthy and not missing a beat with Ozzie Albies missing from the lineup with a bunch of guys that hung around and then won a World Series last year. So, um, I don't want to say that the Mets are, are folding, but... It's the you know, they spent a ton of money, they were supposed to be better, supposed to be a different MO, and it's the same guys. It's the same deal. The I I, I couldn't t ta- told different.
0: you this. I told you this already, Tab. The Metsy fans it all year, Paul. the Metsy fans get real excited in April, May and June. Oh They get real excited, and I tell you it's 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 a long haul here. You know, here's the deal. By the all star game. There is a pretty good chance the New York Mets will be in second place in the National League East. The Braves have two with the Cards finishing that series, and then they go home. They got a home stand here right now. Uh, they'll be home there for the, for the Cards. Then they've got three against the Nationals, okay, and then they got the big series against the Mets at home, three games there, right? So that's just it's right there for the taking for the Braves right now to just and you know, Tab, if you, if you're You know, almost 60 games into the season, you've been trailing the big money Mets all season long. The post, the first team to 50 wins in the National League, one of the best teams in baseball. All that stuff, if you're the Atlanta Braves, you are chomping at the bit. Like, that's on the calendar right now. First place, National League East, at the All-Star break. The Mets here have a game left here with the Reds, uh, and then they've got four games with the Marlins, who we just talked about. Great pitching. It's not going to be an easy series. Uh, and then um, after the um, after the set with the Braves, uh, they got four with the Cubs before the All-Star break. So right now, this is not looking good for the Mets. I mean, obviously for them, if they can turn it around and maybe they can look at this, um, you know, on the schedule here and make sure that they, you know, they don't lose first place at the All-Star break. That's the, They've got to find a way here. Uh, to do that, if, they, if they've if they got any pride in themselves, uh, yes, they are one of the best teams in baseball. Yes, they've, you know, we joke around about, you know, the, the usual stuff that happens. But this is maybe an opportunity for the Mets as a team and as a franchise, ownership, um, buck and all that other stuff to say, hey, look, let's not be the same old Mets, and let's take care of business here over the next week and a half, and let's stay in first place by the All-Star break, because the Braves are coming for them. So, um this is this is this is some fun stuff for uh, for all of us on the sidelines here, with a box or a bag or a tub of popcorn. Uh, especially if you're a, a Mets hater, uh, you know this is this is this is some fun theater to watch your tab over the next week and a half.
1: I like. Yeah, it. It. it's a uh, it's a tough spot for the Mets, and I think that their fan base has uh, probably multi- You know, I, I when I think about the Mets uh, fans. The sometimes you you have like characters in movies or TV shows that sometimes kind of capture what you think are, are they're the right person to maybe personify something. And for me, the the character that I see as like Mets fans right now watching this team be up two and a half games with all the stuff that they've got going on. And if, if you're under the age of 40, maybe you don't get the reference. If you don't, go watch it because you should, because it's one of the best films that either one of them ever did. Um, I think Richard Dreyfus and what about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> A classic. And, and I, and I, and you and have I, to watch it. And I feel, one of my favorites. And I feel like Bill, Bill Murray's character is like the rest of baseball, just clowning poor Richard Dreyfus at every turn. Like the Braves are like, He's on my boat. I can't even <laughs> go to the lake. Um, so, for me, I, I, I feel like Richard Dreyfus and what about Bob is is kind of the personification of Mets fans this year. Um, I think we're both hoping for Buck Showalter to, to have a good turnout this year, but both of us. Tough, what? Tough, well, they're Look, your neighbors I'm above. giving you a little with Dusty Baker and the Astros, buddy.
0: Don't ask me to get on the Buck Showalter. Bandwagon with you here, too, with the Metsies.
1: Yeah, well, I (laughs) I love me some Dusty. I love me some Buck. uh, And I hope that they both have a a wonderful offseason, hoping that their uh, ownership groups spend money the right way. Um, But uh, these are tough days for the Mets. Uh, We wish them all of the best, relatively speaking, But we feel we feel for it. We feel there's got to be some empathy here,
0: you know. Oh man, you know it's funny. You bring up what about Bob, which is a great analogy there. Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss. And when you when you were doing a a character there, I went right to Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam. Uh, (laughs) Yosemite Sam is the Mets. Always thinks he's got one up on Bugs, and then Bugs always is there. He gets him. Yosemite Sam is one of the dumbest cartoon characters. Uh, just constant pain and failure. If you look back, and uh, Bugs is always there to remind him he's a loser. <laughs> that's who I would have went with. But good stuff, man. And that's that's your Mets. That's your Mets right now, folks. Look.
1: And you know what? We invite everyone back next year when we have our third annual early July <laughs> crap on the Mets episode of Line Drive Radio, preceded by the eyes of June. We, we may have a, we, you know, by year four, Paul, we may have to have like some kind of a golf tournament uh, attached to our <laughs> <A> annual fundraiser? <laughs> yeah, fundraiser for Steve Cohen. Um, oh, no, the, uh, the the charity golf event, uh, because at four years annually doing something, usually there's a nine holes of golf and oh, man. some overpriced beers involved. But he, uh, no, he doesn't need any so money, the, buddy. Believe me. The, the, yeah, no. The fans, uh, though, yeah. Th- th-
0: they need some money back, there's no doubt. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> Thus concludes uh, your second annual Crap on the Mets edition of Lion Drive Radio. Uh, and a classic one indeed. All right, folks, it's time to get your pens and pants out
0: as we bring back, after a short hiatus, Ted Bamford's fantasy MLB and of the week. Who you got for us this week, Ted?
1: Another name that I'm sure you all appreciate and love. We're going to the urinal cake by the freeway in Tampa uh, with all 2,800 of his best friends in attendance. Um, but, uh, and you, if you've listened to the uh, fantasy ad of the week, you know that I love multiple position eligibility because it gives you some flexibility with your fantasy roster. Somebody's having a bad day, bad week, bouncing them back and forth. Uh, you, you can move him around a little bit. You're not stuck into one spot. But uh, Yandy Diaz, Yandy. who's eligible at first and third with the Rays, has been as as hot as just about anybody in baseball not named Julio Rodriguez. In the last week, a four forty-eight batting average with 13 Ooh. hits and six walks to only two strikeouts. Lots of contact here uh, without Jody Foster making a terrible movie by that name. Uh, the last two weeks, pop culture crazy. The caffeine must have kicked in today. Um, <laughs> in the last two weeks, Yandy Diaz is batting three forty with a four twenty six on base percentage, and he is owned in only eleven percent, one ain't one. Right, that ain't one right. out of nine. So if you're in one of the eight of nine Yahoo fantasy leagues, uh, we're converting percentages to fractions here for those of us entering fifth grade. Um, if you're in one of the 89% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues in which Yandi Diaz is eligible and you need a little help at your DH spot and or first and third base, uh, Tampa's Yandi Diaz could be uh, a nice benefit to you because he's not striking out, he's getting on base, uh, and the Rays are trying to hang around that playoff conversation. So go get you some Yandi Diaz. Great baseball name, Yandi. Come on, get in there. And if you do win
0: anything, any big bucks, we just like to kindly remind you, um, you can hit us up on Twitter at Line Drive Radio. Find me and Tabs. We'll publish the Venmo. Twitter handles. PayPal. Yeah. PayPal, yeah, Venmo. We take all that kind of stuff. We're just trying to help you advance your financial situation right here on Line Drive Radio. That's all we're trying to do here at Fantasy Baseball. All right, the add-on of the week. Tab brings it home. Every week for us here on LDR. And it's time to head on out to the parking lots. Close the concession stands. Lock the gates. Turn the sprinklers on. Turn the lights off. Make sure the mascot costume is back in the closet. And say goodbye for this week's edition of Lawn Drive Radio. Thanking all of you for hanging in there with us. A little patience here over the last week and a half. And i glad to be back. Make sure you keep continuing to follow us everywhere at Lawn Drive Radio. Spread the word, tell some friends, subscribe, like us, all that great stuff. And as always, Ted, I will now turn to you to say goodbye to folks.
1: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor this week. Usually when I bid you to a fond farewell, I tell you to go grab a glove, throw a ball with your kids, uh, go attend a minor league game, a major league game, watch the games together. This week, I think Paul and I will just encourage you to hug the people that are important in your life uh, and make sure that they know how much they mean to you. And if baseball can be part of that, God bless. Amen.
0: Amen, brother. Y'all take care of yourselves out there, all right? Be well. Try and enjoy these summer's days the best way you can. Playball, everybody!